in the high desert in the great American Southwest. I'm Art Bell. Slamming into your radio like a supercharged nanoparticle of unobtainium. My name is George Van. I'm Richard Serrett. This is Connie Willis. I'm George Norrie. Welcome to Coast to Coast Day. It's great to be here. Welcome to Coast to Coast PM, the number one unofficial Coast to Coast AM podcast. We are two brothers that listen to the world's largest overnight paranormal radio show known as Coast to Coast. My name is Paul, and I'm the one that listens to this inexplicable radio show here with my brother. Hey, it's Chris and Paul. I'm ready to get abducted today with our coaster knots. We aren't getting abducted today, though, Chris. Oh, we aren't? Today, we are going to be talking with God. You said it was abduction December. Yeah, but then I got distracted because I listened to this guy who said he's talking to God. All right, fine. Well, then I guess I'm ready to talk to God with our coaster knots. That's what we're going to be doing, Chris, because Neil Walsh uh, and on his interview on November 13th, 2023 with George Norrie discusses how he began having actual conversations with God, which he now writes down in books, uh, one of which is called God Talk. We are just a week and change away from the birth of God. So, which is why it felt kind of Christmas time. Yeah, dude, it's uh, topical. It is indeed. So that is what we're going to be discussing today, Chris. Um, but before we get to that, you want to go check in with our good friend Tim Benal at the Coast to Coast AM blog. Tim time! Today's article, SETI scientists speak to a whale in an effort to develop ways to communicate with ETs. I love everything about that title. <laughs> From the article, Chris, an intriguing study from the SETI Institute saw scientists seemingly speak to a humpback whale in the hopes of better understanding how to best communicate with extraterrestrials should they reach out to our planet someday in the future. What an incredible idea by SETI. I mean, I love it. I'm here for anyone that wants to talk to a whale. That's delightful. And also, great to see SETI getting, giving some sign of life. I feel like after they <laughs> lost the Arecibo satellites, that they've been completely non-relevant. Like, nobody cares about what SETI has to say. They're nowhere involved in any of the disclosure talk. It's nice to see SETI doing some great research. And here's the thing, man, it, as great as it is that they are looking towards the stars, this grounds it in a way because the reality is they're constantly listening to the sky for alien right. life. They haven't heard anything. Right. So give us something to sink our teeth into. That's right. That's right. So and thank this you. Is some good stuff. And again, they're they're audio people. And so listening to audio waves from whales you would be able to think that they would be able to be like, okay, well, this sound indicates at least this. And I imagine that whales are actually hyper-intelligent and they probably do have some relatively intricate language to talk and communicate back and forth with each other. Well, let's find out, Chris. From the article again, according to a press release, the remarkable project was a collaborative effort involving SETI researchers and experts from both the Alaska Whale Foundation as well as the University of California, Davis. I want to be a part of the Alaska Whale Foundation. That sounds incredible. Using an underwater speaker, they broadcast the contact call of the humpback whale, which led to a rather amazing moment 
wherein one of the creatures, dubbed Twain, actually ventured over to their boat and offered a distinct response that scientists recognized as a greeting signal. Sweet, we're actually starting to communicate with whales! <laughs> Is this where we start our new society? It's the people in Wales learn to live together in peace? Yeah, dude, I would move to an underground or underwater society so quickly to go live with the whales. Yeah, I just realized this is actually a major plot point in Avatar 2. Okay. Did you see that? No, I didn't see Avatar 2. I, I refuse to see any sequel from here on out. I saw it with that. It was fun. We had a good That's time. It's fine. I'm glad you guys had a good time. I'm not going to see it. IMAX 3D, dude. It's great. Uh, have you seen John Wick 12? It was pretty good. Okay, first off, John Wick only goes up to four, plus the Continental, the TV series. Uh, there's no 12, Chris, but there could be a five. Who really knows? Back to the article. Amazingly, over the next 20 minutes, a veritable conversation unfolded between the scientists and the majestic creature. As Twain responded, quote, responded to each playback call and matched the interval variations between each signal. What really... does that even mean, Paul? Please give us some more clarification. Uh, that's a really confusing quote because I don't know what that means. Uh, speaking to the historic nature of the event, team member Dr. Brenda McCowan marveled that we believe this is the first such communicative exchange between humans and humpback whales in the humpback language. What did we even say to them? I don't, I guess we were just playing back sounds and then they were matching our variations of sounds. So that means that we're talking. I hope we took a pretty good guess that we were telling them peaceful things and not angry things. Yeah, like, I hope you're having a nice day. Where are the fish? I don't know what yeah. the whales talk about. You're looking quite blubberous today. I, I do wonder what the whale sounds are and how you decipher what each one actually means. I guess context clues? It sounds a little something like this. No. Great whale call. You'll you'll do great in the underground society that we make. Interestingly, was your wife commenting on that one? Yes, she was. <laughs> Interestingly, beyond the sounds made by the whale in the conversation, the team noted that Twain also created bubble rings in the water, which may have been another form of communication exhibited by the creature. Oh my God, do whales speak like the... What was that movie with Amy Adams and she's the arrivalist? Yeah, Arrival. <laughs> Do you think whales speak to each other in like weird bubble speak? The, the first thing I thought of was like neckbeards vaping doing smoke. <laughs> <laughs> that's a funnier joke. That's, that's how they communicate. But yeah. I mean, I guess it's possible. Maybe there's certain like bubble levels that yeah. give off different signals to the other whales. It could be emphasis, too. It could be, yeah. You know, it's an exclamation point. Mm -hmm. The study applies to the search for aliens and that should such beings contact the planet, deciphering what they are saying could prove to be a considerable challenge depending on their manner of speaking and whatever non-terrestrial language they might use. See, this is a big concern of mine, Chris. But here's my hope. My hope is that the aliens are smarter than us, and since they came to us, they've already deciphered our languages. They have decades of material to use in now hundreds of languages that we have broadcasted out into space. So my hope 
is that at the very least they've they've taken some of this cultural detritus that we've just blasted out into space and they are starting to decipher it like that's going to be way more helpful than anything i mean just think they'll have seinfeld in 30 languages you know what it makes me think of though if you were to be going to a planet and you were choosing a language to decipher you'd probably pick the most simple one which means they're definitely i feel like they're not going to be speaking english when they come I think they would understand that they would need to use the lingua franca, which would be English. You think they're going with the most common language? Yeah. Well, I think they're going to go with the language of the powerful, the people who will be able to make decisions on the world base. And at this time in history, that just happens to be the U.S. Now, in 100 years from now, it's going to be like the Chinese or the Indians, or like a conglomeration of whatever multipolar weird thing, and it's at the UN and everybody's speaking French or something. My hope is that they go with the simplest language and they end up choosing Swahili because it's the only language that makes sense and is straightforward. And then everyone just has to learn Swahili to talk to the aliens. What if they come speaking like Sumerian or something <laughs> like that? They won't speak anything else because they're like, this is the language we handed down to humans. Why is nobody speaking it anymore? I will die if that happens. There are like five people, I think, in the U.S. that could still understand what they're saying, but only five. That's a pretty good story, <laughs> dude. It's kind of like a Robert Langdon Da Vinci Code, except yeah. for a Sumerian like nerd scientist that's just been like looking at rock tablets your whole entire (laughs) life and they're like so you're not going to believe this aliens have contacted us they won't speak anything but sumerian you're needed and all they got is ancient sumerian (laughs) no one's ever spoken it and they're like figure it out bro the group likened the project to studying antarctica as a proxy for mars and explained that they intend to examine intelligent terrestrial non-human communication systems to develop filters to apply to any extraterrestrial signals received. I mean, it's a sound theory, right? It's like what we learn from communicating with whales. And if we become somewhat, if we, if we have, if we do end up having a real ability to communicating with whales, where it's like, they understand what we're saying, we understand what they're saying, and it is creating a relationship the things we learn from that are going to be incredibly helpful in future attempts at the same thing, no matter how far away from it it is. You know I really do I mean? hope. Yeah, I hope that whatever aliens we meet uh, speak in like bubble languages or something, and then they just think that we're so grotesque for vocalizing things with our yeah. mouths. I feel like that would be quite fun. But there's probably some sort of standard protocol that could be developed of like, this is when you intake the sounds or whatever, and then this is how you work towards deciphering the meaning. Like, it makes right. sense. It makes yeah. sense. Yeah. You know, we're we're getting we're gearing up. SETI's only been running for like 50 years. We we still got plenty of time to listen to things. It's kind of fascinating that this is the first time that anybody was like, what else could we communicate <laughs> on Earth with? Yeah, yeah. 
Or the first time said he said, what else could we be doing besides just listening? <laughs> I don't know. I'm telling you, the loss of those radio satellites, I feel like has been just absolutely detrimental to the whole institute. So again, I'm very happy to hear that they're doing something that is very interesting. This is very interesting. This is very cool. I hope it gives them some some press credentials you know i hope it gets some stories written about it and people get interested in seti again paul i don't know if you remember this but do you remember i think it was like sixth or seventh grade we had the seti desktop app where you could run it in your background and you had it as a computer screensaver and you were allowing seti to use your extra computing power while it was running in screensaver mode. No, I definitely remember that. That's why I know what SETI is, I think, was because you put that on our computer when we were children. Right. <laughs> Which, honestly, kind of a cool thing. Yes. Well, I just looked it up, Chris, and SETI's actually, it's not been around 50 years, it's been around 40 years, so I was slightly off. Okay. Well, give, yeah, we'll... T- Perfect. Give a little credit. Yeah. Give a little credit. That's my fault. I was hating. 40, but, yeah, dude. They haven't even had a, they haven't even been here a half century. They're yeah, doing they're first, awesome. They're still getting their sea legs. To that end, they indicated that the humpback whale was specifically chosen for the study as they are somewhat similar to how one might imagine an alien race, as they are highly intelligent and use an array of communication methods. I can't wait to learn more about this project. <laughs> Like if you know? we have like if the whales send a delegation to us and they're like, yeah, we have a list of complaints. Yeah, they probably do. Why do you think all those orcas are attacking boats? Oh yeah, I mean the whales have some serious contention against humanity. So hopefully, we can get some stuff resolved. But do you think that the powers that be are elites would actually care? what whales had to say no i'm going to answer the question for you they won't give a shit i mean they already don't care about what any animals or really most humans think most humans so i can't they they literally poison humans on a daily basis so i'm not like super you know hopeful that they'll care but i don't know maybe maybe if the whales finally come to congress in a giant tank that they roll out with some like weird mechanism that translate live, they're like, wow, guys, the earth does does matter. Well, Chris, time for some housekeeping. If you want to support the show, patreon.com slash coast to coast PM, where you can sign up for as little as $2 a month to keep us running and keep us on the air. If you want to reach out to me, c2cpmpod at gmail.com is our email address, or you can find us on Reddit and reach out to Chris at our coast to coast PM. I also want to give a uh, shout out to wasteful bagel shout out to wasteful bagel whose grandpa was in fire in the sky which was pretty cool to hear so a little tie in there chris also call out to philip philip sent us a really nice uh email with some uh cool resources as well so i uh, just want to give philip a shout out too and then as always a uh, shout out to kenny uh who cleaned up chris's ghost audio which i was very excited about so we will have to listen to that for one of the patreon specials chris because kenny boy Found a couple extra beats in there that I think we might have missed. Kenny always on top of it, man. He's on it. Well, with that, you ready to start the show? Let's hit it. 
All right, Chris. Neil Walsh's interview from November 13th, 2023 with George Norrie. Neil has been on about nine or ten times, Chris. He's been on Coast a lot. From the very beginning, he's been talking to God. He's been talking to God this whole time. And when he says talking to God, he means he is having actual conversations with God. Right. He's having a sit-down conversation over tea with God. Yes. What makes him different than the Lord's 10-star general? He is less angry and doesn't call in screaming. He comes okay. calls in calmly. All right. And then answers people's questions about God. Yeah. And I don't know if JC ever actually claims to be in direct communication with God. Oh, all right, right, right. Versus this guy who says, I'm actually talking to God and writing our conversations down and then publishing those conversations so everyone can hear what God has to say. Is the book called My Conversations with God? It's called God Talk. God Talk? Which kind of a good name. God Talk. God Talk. My God. So it all starts off, Chris, with, um, you know, how does he start talking with God? Yeah, how, it, do, you get, how do you get started in that? Yeah, it, it began with him having a really bad couple of days. So this is a bit of a long story, but I think it's important to understanding where this guy's coming from. To you, for the benefit of new listeners, take us on the journey that happened a long time ago that created conversations with God. What happened? You know, I was struck, George, by what I called the triple whammy uh, at one point in my life. This is now around 30 years ago. What happened was that... Uh, First of all, my relationship with my significant other had come to an end. It was not a, a, a filled with anger or hatred. It was an amicable ending, but it was an ending, and it was very sad for me because uh, we weren't just pals or live-in partners. We were married, and, and my wife and I just simply decided we would, that our relationship wasn't working any longer, even though we had children together, and so we were going to live apart. Okay, that was that was number one. And it was bad enough for me to endure that because I was not happy with the ending. But, George, five days later, I lost my job. Oh, my not God. Because, yeah, and not because I was not uh, performing well. As a matter of fact, my boss said, uh, of all the people I hate to lose, you're the one I would, it would really hate to lose. But you're the last in, so you're the first out because we got corporate, you know, uh, corporate headquarters telling us we need to downsize, we need to lose some overhead, and you're our most recent hire. You have no seniority, so we have to let you go. So now I lost my relationship and my job within the same five-day period. But wait a minute, the world wasn't done with me yet. Within the next five days, three three days after that, I'm driving down the road, going to another appointment, going to an appointment to you know, maybe to get another an interview for a job. I thought, yeah, I'm, I'm going to get this job. I've got all the qualifications. I'm just right for it. They're going to hire me. Never got to the appointment, George. An elderly man, he was in his late 80s, made a left turn in front of me as I was oh. kneeling down. Yeah, as I was kneeling down the road and smashed into my car. It wasn't a small little fender bender. He totaled my car and almost totaled me. I wound up with a broken neck. Holy cow, this dude's in the midst of an existential crisis at this point. Apparently all this happened within like a week's time. It's like 15 days, I think. Yeah, that's not very long to have all of that hit you. Wowie caboodles. This guy is having a very bad month. And apparently none of it's really his fault. So that just sucks because some random dude hit him. That's not his bad. He got laid off even though he was awesome at his job. It was not his fault. And his wife left him, which was amicable. 
we kind of got a parable of Joe being built here. <laughs> yeah, we just need a fireball to destroy his cattle. And then right. we basically have Job, I think. Okay, so, all right. So Job is here. His life has gone to complete crap. He's in the hospital with a broken neck. Yes, and he ends up being homeless because his wife doesn't like to let him live there and he can't get a job now. If things went from bad to worse, George, if you can imagine... I was living in a little studio apartment that I took when my wife and I agreed that we would just live apart, but I had no income now. And after about three or four months, my my savings ran out, and and I had uh, no way to pay the rent. So I was evicted, and I had nowhere to go. Oh I didn't want to go. I, I, I called my, you know, my wife, who is soon to be my former wife, and she said, please don't ask me you know, to take you back in. It's just not working. I said, okay, I'll, I'll work it out. I'll work it out. And I thought, okay, it'll be a couple of bad weeks. I'll just live on the sidewalk. I'll, you know, I'll make it outside for a couple of weeks, and I'll find a job somewhere. You know, if I have to go to a grocery store and get a job packing boxes, whatever, I'll find a way to make some money. George, nobody would hire me because I'm wearing a Philadelphia collar. That's that's a therapeutic device exactly. that you exactly holds your holds your head up. And every everybody who I was applying to for jobs with were, were just ignoring me and not hiring me. Finally, the fifth or sixth guy said to me, "Mr. Walsh, I got to be honest with you. Nobody's going to hire you while you're wearing that therapeutic device around your neck because we're all clear that one wrong move, we're paying your medical bills for the next four years. That's right. Can't afford. He said, so we we can't afford to hire you. Now I can't find work anywhere, George. I wound up living on the sidewalk." for two weeks shy of a year this is a real tale of capitalism isn't it <laughs> just a little bit yeah actually good god like you know this guy through seemingly now we're taking his word for it mm -hmm. through real no real fault of his own becomes homeless for a year yeah it is it is actually a very tragic story and even if there was some fault like maybe he wasn't doing a great job at work or maybe his divorce was a little messier then he's saying like this is an awful thing to happen to anyone like no one should right. end up living on the street and you should not be able to get hired because you were injured in a car wreck right but all of like when when your employer pays for your health care things like that can happen but also having to like heal on the street and and I, I think of all the homeless folks out there who have to deal with this, where like they mm -hmm. just they get pretty much kicked out of the hospital and it's like, okay, well, good luck. Yeah. Yeah. And now now you like whatever injury you had, if it was like some sort of laceration or broken bone, you're now just on the street in the cold having to deal with that. Like, can you imagine sleeping on the concrete with a broken neck? That sounds awful. terrible. Sounds awful. Terrible. There's no way that that you heal quickly, no. if at all. Yeah, right. So, well, if anything, it's it it's a further detriment for the rest of your life. Yeah, yeah. So, anyways, we really do have the tale of Job happening here. Yeah, basically. And the other thing that I want to call out: very mean ex-wife. Yeah, Guy has nowhere awful. to live. Lost his job. Was in a car wreck. Let him crash on the couch, dude. Give him a couple weeks. Which makes me think there's more to the story than what we're getting yeah i don't know i like to think that like my i mean i don't have an ex-wife but like i don't know i just like to think that no matter who was mad at me feels like i am homeless can you let me just 
sleep on your floor, they'd be like, yeah, that's that's okay. You would help. I would help. If, if I was homeless, would you let me sleep on your couch? I would let you sleep on my couch. That's really sweet. Thank you, Chris. Well, here's the good news, though. He's uh, he's sleeping on the concrete for a year, and he's finally able to get a weekend job. And uh, I saw, as I'm lying there, I'm looking at the want ads. I'm looking at, looking at the newspaper, and here's a classified ad. Weekend. It said weekend uh, talent needed at a local radio station. So, of course, I raced to the phone. I, I didn't have any money with me, but I, I actually begs, believe it or not, begged some money off of another person, another panhandler living in the park where I was living for a while. I said, if you got a dime, this, this isn't the days when you could make a phone call for a dime. Yeah. And, and he, he gave me a dime, and I said, thank you. I'm, I love you, Bell. And I called this radio station, and I got an interview, and I went to the radio station on foot, uh, got there after about an hour's worth of walking, told the guy my story. He saw that I was good at what I did. He said, can I ask you to do a read, a live read? I said, sure. He threw a couple of commercials across the table at me. Of course, I read them. I've been doing radio work for years. He said, okay, obviously you're a pro. You're hired. And so I got a weekend job, filling him as a weekend guy, doing uh, this guy's show uh, from 10 to 2 every day. Still not seeing where God comes into all this. Well, we're about to get there, Chris. We had to lay down that story. All right. So... Man was homeless. He turned his life around, dude. He pulled himself up by his bootstraps. Yeah, had nothing but a dime to his name to call Love to get it. the interview. Great right. story. Yeah, perfect story. I mean, this is this is America. Yeah, exactly. That's that's what you do. You end up homeless, and you just got to pull yourself up. It not only do we love second chances, we love an underdog story. Mm-hmm. We love it when you pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. Honestly, this man needs a movie about him. I'd right. watch it. American I'd watch it hero. Sure. American Especially hero. the second part, Chris, because this is where it all starts. He's got a lot of trauma to work through, right? He had a really rough year. Naturally. So he starts journaling. He basically starts writing letters to God. Right about, I was finally under roof for about four or six weeks. And I woke up one morning at 2.30 in the morning, furious, furious with, with everything, with life, and if you please, with God. I always believed there was some kind of higher power. I don't know if I called it God or not, but I always thought there's, you know, there's more going on here than meets the eye. So, But I'm furious with life itself. And so then I stomped off into the uh, living room of this little two-room apartment and sat down on the, on the used couch that they had put in there. And I, I had a yellow legal pad that I was using to keep my you know lists together of groceries I needed and so forth. And I began writing an angry letter to God just to get it off my chest, George. It was, it was kind of like self-therapy. You've ever written an angry letter to God, Paul? I have not, no, but I'm sure it helps. I know that's something that they tell you to do is when you're really angry with someone, you can like write them a, a letter that you never plan to show them and then like burn it or something. That's what a lot of presidents do. What? A lot of presidents, because uh, they get so much hate from so many directions that many are, I've been told, write letters out so that they don't go half-cocked all the time. Oh, that's interesting. Right, yeah. I mean, it would make sense, though, because all you're doing is taking heat, and it would be a bit difficult to not just lose it. Right. So So there you go. So, like, and I imagine Trump wasn't writing any letters, but Obama was writing a letter a day. 
I was going to say Obama was writing pages a day, dude. He yeah. was so calm. Tr- yeah. Trump not not writing those letters is what gave him superpowers. Well, his letters <laughs> his letters were on Twitter. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> his letters if, if were on just... Twitter, and we just all could read them. Yeah, if he just if this tw- Twitter was private, it would have been fine. Right. <laughs> he he makes. Seen... If his Twitter was private, he may have gone down as the best president in history. He probably would have gotten another term. Yeah. <laughs> that's hilarious. Oh, God, dude, that's so funny. Okay, well, Chris, he wasn't tweeting, though, and he wasn't writing letters that he was going to burn up later. Uh, he was writing these to God, and guess what happened? God wrote back. God responds. And what have I done to deserve a life of such continuing struggle? And finally, George, I'm writing, tell me the rules. I mean, just give me the rules. I'll play this silly game called life. Just tell me the rules. I don't know what what's going on here. What do I have to do to make life work? And then, George, I heard a voice over my right shoulder. I would have sworn someone was in the room behind me. Neil, do you really want answers to all of these questions? Or are you just venting? And I whipped around. Of course, there's nobody there. Now I'm thinking, oh, great, terrific. Not only have I lost everything, now I'm losing my mind. <laughs> but the voice continued, you know, Neil, you know, give me an answer. What are you looking for here? And I said, you know, if you've got some answers, I sure as hell like to know what they are. I don't know who I'm talking to. I'm sitting there thinking I'm talking to myself. But then the voice again came back as a voice in my mind. It's all in my head going on. And the voice said... You are sure as hell about a lot of things, Neil, but wouldn't you rather be sure as heaven? Here's the thing. If that's God, dude, God is super corny. That is not a good joke. (laughs) That sucks. That sucks, God. Get a better writer. You're telling me you don't got a couple of comedians up there? Dude, creator of the universe, man. He can swing something better. Dude, most comedians are definitely going to hell. That's true. Well, yeah, they deserve it, Chris, because they all make crude jokes. Right. This is an anti-comedian podcast. So, okay, yeah, that that single comment, I was sitting here literally debating, am I going to come at this skeptical or do I keep on believing this guy? And up until the, uh, you're, how about you believe in hell or believe in heaven? And it's like, okay, this is, that was dumb. It was, you're as sure as hell uh, certain about some things, but wouldn't you rather be sure as heaven? Thank you. Thank you. That's yes. so lame. Yes. And here's the other thing, too, that I am aware of, and I want to be tactful about this, but we are talking about a guy who was living on the streets and homeless, and now he's talking about how now that he finally got his own apartment, he's hearing voices or voices are responding to him when he asks questions. That doesn't sound super healthy. Right. Yeah. I think this is this may be a mental break. I'm uncertain. It would be almost impossible for you not to have some kind of mental trauma from living on the streets for a year. Mm-hmm. Impossible, I would argue. It's a terrifying idea. And he probably did kind of create a individual to kind of help him through it. You know, like I, I imagine a very lonely experience. Yeah, but I mean, here's the positive news, Chris. He turned it into something because he wrote a book. And the voice says to me, 
let me answer your questions. And I'm starting to get answers to all the questions I had asked and to questions that I didn't even know existed. And they were, and they were good answers, too, weren't they? Well, I, they were good enough for me. I, I can't speak for anybody else, but they were good enough for me. And, and then somewhere along the way, uh, I was told, you will make of this a book one day. And you'll cause it to be accessed by many people. And I'm sitting there thinking, yeah, yeah, right, of course. <laughs> now I got you. This is what I'm thinking to myself. Now I got I, you. You got to, you got to know. I'm. It's, it's the middle of the night, and I'm thinking, I'm making this all this up. You know, I'm imagining it. It's just my imagination playing tricks on me. So I thought, you know, if if you think whatever this voice is that's talking to me, that this is going to become a book. Think again. There's not a publisher in the country that's going to write, that's going to publish a book by a guy who says he's talking to God. I mean, can you imagine the publisher going out to the workroom floor saying to his editors, hold everything. Stop the presses. I got a guy here who's talking to God. And guess what, folks? That's just <laughs> what happens. That is exactly what happened, Chris. He shipped it off to a publisher who said, this is fantastic. I have to publish it. And it became a book. This is the best thing I've ever read. I can't believe it's been committed to paper. It's going to be bigger than the Biden. My my favorite thing, too, that he did where he had his lame corny joke about wouldn't you rather be a sure as heaven? And then he goes into like almost like King James English. Right. Which is, you will make of this a book that shall uh, henceforth be published. A book you shall write it and thouest will write it and uh, produce it for all of mankind. It reminded me of uh, Joseph Smith in the Book of Mormon, where it's like clearly someone was just trying to write New Testament. You know what I mean? Right. But That's good who stuff. knows? That's good stuff. Well, well, and he's already kind of told us like he's a theater kid. Being a radio, he's had he had oh being experience a being a radio host. Like yeah. that's a theater kid. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Well, and this is an interesting thing that happens on Coast, too, that I think they get a lot of criticism for is a lot of the people that they have on over and over and over again, like Neil, who's been on 10 times, are basically just thinking thoughts in their head that they think are real. Right. Like the guy who goes and sees his, you know, counsel up in the sky, who just closes right. his eyes and imagines it. And it's like, that's a real thing. Right, right. I don't right. totally understand it, but it's really lacking any substance at all. Right, right, yeah, yeah, like, so far, all we have is a voice in this guy's head. <laughs> He's just sitting there at, like, 3 a.m. asking questions out loud, and in his head, it, there is an answer. Right, and he's writing it down. He's like, oh, this is good. This is really good. <laughs> it's like he got confused what an inner monologue was. I don't really know. Well, hold up now. Hold up, okay? Am I, am I being too skeptical? We're get, Let's pump the brakes. All right, all right. I want to hear some questions and answers. Well, okay. You want to, well, first off, Chris, you know, now that he's teaching people how to talk to God, because that's what he wrote his book about. It's a six, six step process to talk to God. So do you want to hear a little bit about uh, the six steps? Is, is it like, imagine you're in a boat. Now imagine who's in the boat with you. Now, Talk to the people in the boat. Like, is that three steps right there? No, let's get to it. Let's let's unpack okay. it a little bit. He's going to give us a quick overview here. And it contains a six-step process that I hope 
will give people an opportunity to have their own direct connection with the divine. George, let me just add one thing really quickly. Yeah, please. Most people say, of course we can all talk to God. I mean, by the way, 8 out of 10 people in, uh, in the world believe that there is some kind of higher power. Sociologists have taken surveys in the past 10 years asking a single question all over the world. And those religions teach us God doesn't talk directly to you. You can talk to God if you want. Of course, people, we, we encourage you to pray to God. But don't go around saying that God spoke directly to you because that's blasphemy. That's heresy. That's apostasy. So you're accused of, an, of, a, of, a, of, a, of a sin, really, uh, we are, of an ecclesiastical sin if you declare that God is talking directly to you. And they put people who say that away on the seventh floor of the hospital in the psychiatric ward. That's right. He thinks that God's talking to him. What are the six steps? <laughs> All right, so let's get to the steps. We got to get the intro. You didn't even give them to me. All right, here they are. Here are the steps. Oh, Chris. my gosh. You mentioned these six steps. Very quickly, buzz through them for us, Neil. Possibility, worthiness, willingness, wakefulness, acceptance, and discernment. I'd love to describe those in greater detail one day when we have time, but we have to agree that it's possible that a God exists and that we can talk to God. We have to agree that we are worthy to receive such communication. We don't have to be the Pope or the Archbishop of Canterbury or the Chief Ulama or the Head Rabbi. We have to go to step three, willingness. We have to be willing to receive it, even though religions tell us it's blasphemy. We have to be wakeful. We have to go to step four, wakefulness. That is, we have to look all around us because God's talking to us in a million different ways across a thousand moments in every lifetime. Then we go to step five, acceptance. That is, we don't reject what we're hearing. Ah, it's just my imagination or it's just a coincidence. No, 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 no such thing as a coincidence. When you get the wisdom from the divine, you will know that that's what it is. And so step five is acceptance. And finally, step, step six is discernment. Not to call, not to fall into the trap of calling everything a conversation with God. That you no, know, whatever happens in life, we say it's a sign. I reached into my pocket to get my car keys, and a ten-dollar bill fell out. So now I have to throw all my money on the ground because it's a sign. So we have to have some discernment. Those are the six steps I talk about. They're not terrible steps. Yeah, they're pretty vague, but I mean, he 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 buzzed through it, as George said. I just love that George is like buzzed through for me how to talk to God. Yeah, like can we the the TLDR? All right, yeah, too long, quick. didn't read. <laughs> so that's really all. I get. You basically just need to be like, I, there is a God. I get to talk to said God, right. and then I have to discern where it's my inner monologue versus God, which you'll just know. A lot so. of very Protestant belief structure. Yeah, we don't need no Pope. Come on. Yeah, I don't need no man in a funny hat tell me what God think. Also, I don't think that it's considered blasphemy necessarily to say that you've talked to God. I just think that usually it's the people who say that are megalomaniacs or mentally ill. Or that, like, f prayer is a form of talking to god and not necessarily that god is having an actual conversation with you at the time right like oh the, the, i'm talking with god you know what i mean it's like much yeah. more poetic yeah it's more like esoteric like god gave right. me a sign or opened yeah this door. right and yeah. not not i was sitting in my underwear at 3 a.m on the couch and god was talking back right writing furiously in a notebook Dude, he was definitely in his boxers when he was doing this. 
I imagine there may or may not have been some drugs involved. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. There probably were. At least alcohol, at the very least. Yeah. Why was he up so late? That's well, a good question. He, well, he said he woke up. He, woke he said up. he woke up. Yeah. Well, you know what makes you wake up a lot, Chris? Alcohol. It gives me a terrible night's sleep. I still want to know what some questions and answers are. All right. Well, now that we know how to do it, let's check in with some messages that he's gotten before. The first message, George, that I got in my very first conversation with God, she said, Neil, all things are one thing. There is only one thing, and all things are part of the one thing there is. And I'm answering. I said, well, that means that I'm part of you. Are you saying that God and me, are God and I are one? And the answer I got was, exactly. That's exactly right. God and you are one. Wow. Do I dare say that publicly? Do I dare do I dare tell people that, that God told me this? Yeah. But, you know, somehow or another, I got away with it. I mean, I put it in the book just the way I received it. There's no editing in the book. The book is an unedited transcript. It's just simply a dialogue between me and my understanding of the divine in which I was told, basically, in a few more words than your mother was told, there's only one thing. I always am, always will be, and always have been. That's not a bad first one. We don't get much, Chris. This is the problem with anyone that goes on trying to hawk their book, is that they hold it real close to the chest. Right. But, but I think it falls directly in line with our general belief structure, that it is all the same thing. We're all part we're of the Godhead, all, man. We're all a part of the, the conscience bubble Godhead universal atomic subatomic space continuum yeah exactly that exactly that just get that tattooed on your arm because that's what's, yeah. that's the truth that's the god awful truth and i can imagine to somebody who may not have thought about it that that is kind of a mind-altering thought well, I had a friend in college who took shrooms for the first time and they had a similar thought for for the first time in their life where they were out in the woods and they're like, oh, everything's connected like this tree right. and the soil and me. It's all one thing. And it's like, yeah, it is like that's yeah. the correct thing that we should recognize that there's an interconnectedness. And we're not little isolated people in little yes. bubbles in our mm -hmm. suburban individualistic houses. And that's why I'm excited for uh, Mother China to take over so we can all just be one collective. But a little individualism is good. <laughs> it a little is, spice. It is good. We need that individualism, but we need more communalism. We've absolutely. gone way too far to one side. Yes, absolutely. But China's gone too far to the communal side. We need to meet in the middle Kind of like the Nordics. Oh, the Nordics. Yes. Not the Nordic aliens. Well, them too. <laughs> they seem like they've done a pretty good job. They are the good people in every single alien story. The, the Nordic, the nice, white, blue-eyed, <laughs> blonde-haired aliens. The good, white aliens. Saving us from the reptilians. Yes. Evil no problems there. Not a single problem in that. There's a story. couple. There's a couple. Are there problems. a couple? We'll unpack There's... that later. 
We don't need to do that now. That's a later problem. Uh, Chris, here's another message that he's gotten. That was that he needs to help more people realize this core truth of life. And I need nothing from you, but my great desire is to give you the power and the understanding, the awareness and the consciousness to step into your true self, your true identity, which is as an individuation of divinity. You are a part of me. Act that way and life will change for you forever, as will life on your planet once you reach critical mass in the number of people who decide to respond to this impulse in that positive way. So he's got to evangelize. Apparently, yeah, which is why he's writing books. And right. if there's one thing that has fixed the world, Chris, it's evangelism of religion. So oh, I'm looking forward to did. see what happens. <laughs> no, I was like, oh, man. <laughs> very yeah very evangelical very that, christian evangelical that was one of the things you were told was to evangelize your religion dang it i think this is how religions are started though is one guy who said god talked to me i have to tell everyone about it that's true and then they start writing books i mean that's what paul did yeah he's just like oh man all these letters they're gonna turn this into a book one day I Ephesians. mean, Thessalonians. I, I, realizing the heresy here, there is a line that can be drawn between this man's experience of God came and talked to him in his living room and Paul saying Jesus came and talked to him on the road. Saul. Saul. Becoming Paul. But there is a, there is a through line there. Yeah. That now, here's the take. Here's that the take. they're hucksters is the take. <laughs> But I think Paul was probably a better and more eloquent writer than Neil was, but also I haven't read Neil's book, so I could be wrong. What if you read Neil and you're like, this prose is incredible <laughs> and his argumentation is flawless? Then I convert to the Church of Neil. <laughs> what if we become Neilites? We yeah, we gotta have him on the show. We we need we need Papa Neil to come teach us his ways. Do you think he would really go through the secrets or would we have to buy the book? I have a strong feeling we'd have to buy the book, but maybe if we get him on and we just ask him point blank, I feel like it is awkward to just deny someone. So right. he would probably need to expand on it a bit more if we did well, ha have follow-up questions. Let's get an es esoteric, Neil. Let's do it. Neil, if you're listening, we'd love to have you on to talk more about this because I am a little skeptical, but I have an open mind. So I just want to know, I want to hear what you think the secrets are. I want to talk about secrets. I don't have any secrets. I do an occasional show that I haven't done in a while called Sunday Sermons, in which I talk about the, the, the secrets I see. Well, and what's most interesting to me is if God is talking to this man and saying, I need you to get the word out about how to talk to me so people can realize their divinity. Okay. Why is he just not publishing his books for free online or going in depth while he's on the radio? Why is he selling a book? Seems like a really ineffective way of getting the message out there. You are creating a natural barrier. People have to go in, buy it instead of just teaching it to them. I would say also, though, just like publishing it online for free, though, is not a good way to evangelize your message either, though. I don't know what the best way is, but neither are good. 
Well, you know, one of the best ways, Chris, podcast, podcast, come on, podcast, podcast, baby. Neil needs podcast. He doesn't have one already. Um, I was got another... say, he almost certainly has one at this point. It's true. Uh, so another question you might be asking yourself, Chris, is why is God talking to Neil? What's up with that? I'm just telling people directly. Yes, you bet. I'm having conversations with God. And the first thing that I ask God in that conversation, my first serious question, why me? Why would you choose me? And the answer I got, Neil, sweetheart. I'm talking to everybody all the time. The question is not to whom am I talking. The question is, who's listening? That's not bad, though. That's a good one. That's a good line by God. That's not a bad answer by God. That's like an 8 out of 10 in the aren't you, don't you want to be heaven sure is like a 2 out of 10. Right. right. You know, I need yeah. more of that. Yeah, a lot more of that. That's a good answer from God. But I think there, and I think there is something to it, right? I think there is like, are you, are you attuned to the world around you? Are you attuned to the people around you? And are you attuned to yourself, right? And I think what is kind of happening is he's doing, and we 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 talk about this all the time, right? With these types of folks, and when you when you pull them out of the woodwork is that what's happening is that they're just doing introspection. That's all that's happening here. They're doing like self-analysis and putting together their thoughts and belief structures and putting it down on paper. And because we've learned so little in the modern American society about doing meditation and doing kind of self introspection that this seems like some kind of wild process where it's like what is talking to me i'm not talking to me something else is talking to me and it's like no well this is you too you're just kind of giving it a different type of voice and you're you're thinking of the answers to these questions as you would answer them but you're like well i've never had a thought like this and it's like well okay maybe not in this direct way that you're putting it down now on paper but because you're putting it down on paper you're having it to put it you're having to literally fire the synapses into being because you've never actually done the exercise before yeah i think that's a really astute point chris because most likely what he was experiencing was like he was going from traumatic incident to traumatic incident. He was in a marriage that sounds like it was not working at all. Then he is injured. He's homeless and he never has a chance to like breathe or just think because he's it's constant like flight or fight. And this is me psychoanalyzing this guy, obviously, from very far. But when he finally gets to a safe place and then the gears start turning, which is a big point of meditation is to just allow your mind's gears to turn to focus on the present. Like then, yeah, some, some of these thoughts were probably coming in where he was working through the traumas that he had, which were really substantial. Um, And that's part of why I want to talk about this guy with you is because this is inherently very silly what he's discussing. And I was expecting to be more annoyed with him than I was because right. I'm like, okay, you think you're talking to God? That sounds really problematic, but he just seemed really earnest 
and nothing yes. he's everything he said was very sweet like we're all part of one thing man we're all in this together like nothing he said was really an issue so i'm kind of okay with it if it helped right. to work through his problems and yes. it gave him some money so that he didn't have to be living on the street like all right yeah. whatever sure you talk to god have fun and again if if the book is more of the same of kind of we're all one we all need to work together everything's connected somehow and be a good person and try to do good things to people and hopefully good things happen to you after that like if that's all the message is let him let him preach it let him sell yeah. books yeah like now, i'm fine with that if I get to page 50 and I see the protocols in there, I'm going to get upset. But short, yeah, if, as long as it's just the nice hippie stuff, we're cool, man. We're yeah, cool. It, it sounds like it's <laughs> mostly just like esoteric, kind of new agey a little bit, but not even like too terribly new agey. I mean, it's six steps. It wasn't like now light incense and draw a pentagram. I mean, it was just kind of like, all, again, it's all like self-reflection self and introspection. Like that's all yeah. we're really doing here. And affirmation, because part of it is telling right. yourself that you're worthy of talking to God. Yes. And that's an important affirmation. Yes. Self-worth. Yes. yes. So, you know, oh, maybe we do need to convert to the, the church of Neil. Maybe he's got something going on here, Chris. It's not overall. <laughs> it's not bad. There were a few silly things, but overall he did pretty good. I mean, yeah. just take, just take the, the, the like hell to heaven thing like just take that Cut one that. out that got me like off your team everything else was pretty solid for the most part i want to hear more secrets like give up some more secrets you're going to sell more books that way i think see and that's the problem with modern coast chris is that we don't really get many secrets you have to go to the books and i don't have the time for that so that's as far as we're going to get today but on a scale of one to five notepads full of conversations with god how many notepads do you give our boy neil walsh i was gonna give him like two but then we kind of talked it through at the end <laughs> and now i want to give him like three and a half yeah it's pretty good it wasn't bad <laughs> it was for a guy who says he's talking to god i was expecting way worse we're fine he's not predicting the end of the world he's mostly saying nice things it sounds like again that's we've heard like three things he said so again there could be some terrible <laughs> things in there but i kind of doubt it he like you said yeah. he seemed earnest he had a, a terrible story it seems like it taught him a lot and like for the most part he seems to be relatively humble about the whole thing and like anybody can do it and you're not he isn't special. I mean, he literally says that like anybody can do this and I want to teach you how to do it. Boom. That's fine. He's okay in my book. Yeah, no, I, I'm in the same boat. I mean, when I started listening to this, I was like, if when I, when I listen to an episode, I usually go in with preconceived notions of like, I'm going to give this guy one for sure. He's going to get a one. And then as I was listening to it, I was like, actually, okay, maybe I'll give him a two. After us talking, I'm gonna give him a 2.5. Because he worked through his traumas, and I respect that. And he did it in a weird way, but that's okay, man. Like you said, he's not doing anything super problematic that I can see from this interview or from a quick look at his website. So um, keep rocking and rolling, dude. Keep writing your books um, and keep teaching people how to talk to God. You know, what, whatever. And in a funny way, 
He kind of is talking to God because we are all God. Because we all have that little spark of the divine in us. And we are all connected to all things at all times. And so, like, yeah, maybe he is, when he's doing this form of meditation, getting some kind of vibration that is a little bit talking to God. And so it's not all BS. Well, I did not think that you'd come in on the side of this guy's actually talking to God. <laughs> that took a turn there, Chris. All conspiracy, all the time. <laughs> Later.